everybody this is sam that girl with the curls i i can speak my own name and my own title really well uh that girl with the curls uh bringing you another episode of the podcast which is all about batman versus superman um now this is going to be one of of two or three you'll probably be hearing from a podcast put out by that girl with the curl michael geek uh it's basically going to be a topic of conversation for quite some time um depending on uh, how much you loved or did not love the movie. So uh, just just to let you know, this one is a far more measured podcast. Uh, I say that in, in terms of there's going to be a bonus episode released uh, sometime next week as of the, the release of this one, which will be a, a, a goodly three-hour session of myself and uh, Roman on the Rocks, basically uh, at our rawest talking about the movie. It was only like, um, it was hours for him and and about a day for me. Uh, this podcast, however, was recorded a week later and, uh, JP is joining us, the host of uh, Nerd Nonsense. And, uh, this was, uh, yeah, with only a week out, it was a bit more measured. We're still fairly passionate about the things that we don't like and, um, certainly a bit more forgiving of other things. I mean, it's, it's hard when you don't care for something to, to find any of the good stuff. But, there, I mean, there, <clears throat> sorry, there is good stuff there. And uh, I apologize for my voice. I'm once again recovering from a cold. So uh, trying to speak as well as possible, but it's turning out to, to not uh, not be working out that well right now. So I'm just going to power through this. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, so we, we tried to at least come at it somewhat objectively, but, you know, your mileage, your mileage may vary on that one. So I at least hope we entertain you in our passion and anger and, uh, misgivings and whatnot. Uh, if not, maybe skip a few podcasts cause it might take a while for it to not be about specifically Batman versus Superman, but, uh, I still think you'll, you'll get something out of this. So, uh, please to enjoy episode 64, 60, I think it's 64. Oh, what are you? You nope, sixty-three. I was off by one again. <laughs> Such is life. Uh, episode sixty-three of That Girl with the Curls, all about Batman versus Superman. Batman and Superman. True story. Yeah. Segway. <laughs> really haphazard segue. Are you? I mean, are you guys ready to go, or do you? Um... Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Do, are you done mopping, or are you gonna I'm keep mopping? I've done my venting. I've done my venting. <laughs> At least as far as jobs go. <laughs> Listen, I've I've mopped. Yeah, what about you, Sammy? You need to get anything off your chest. I mean, we kind of just thought about ourselves. Oh no, that's fine. I mean, I've 
I have a therapy session tomorrow, so I have plenty of things to talk about. Nice. There. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, actually, the I don't have I don't have many complaints right now, except for the whole being rejected from a librarian job because they were actually looking. They said that they were looking for an archivist. <laughs> like oh it doesn't make any sense to me why would you say that you're looking for an archivist and then like reject me because i don't have a library degree <laughs> it's like that's, they're not the same <laughs> yeah i was about to ask are those thing, two things related no they're not no. but if you want to fire sam up really quick oh. just tell her that she's a glorified librarian no you <laughs> are it's like an evil death stare it's amazing i I'm... did that for my birthday hey <laughs> birthday thing <laughs> i did that for my birthday like that was a present just for me <laughs> don't worry i'm gonna get you back on friday man i'm gonna get you back <laughs> yes <laughs> but anyway let's uh let's start this uh this therapy session therapy session part two <laughs> basically of uh batman versus superman dawn of justice uh the review the second basically because uh, as people will eventually come to know, James and I did a three-hour session uh, pretty much, what, two days after it had come out? So during uh, the rele- the premiere weekend, I had seen it the day before James, and James saw it on the day that we recorded this. Or that, we that were particular. so freshly angry. Yes, there, there was not enough space and time between us and the movie to well i mean we had enough like we understood what we didn't like about it definitely um and the things that made us mad and the things that didn't make sense yeah like that that was more like like when that comes out it it, it is a hundred percent methodical gut reaction mm-hmm. like like it's it, when when you hate when when you dislike something so fervently it's really easy to replay every instance of it that you disliked, which just happened to be, like, 98% of the movie. Yeah, <laughs> there's that. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, it is It is so easy to just, like, uh, focus in on those things. And, you know, luckily when you have a two-and-a-half-hour movie that goes practically nowhere and thinks it's doing something really deep, hint, hint, it's not. Um, it's 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 really easy for people like us, like uh, James, myself, and also JP, to really kind of find those errors in logic that are so blatantly obvious. But, uh, with some time and distance from it, I mean, I've, I know I've mellowed out a little bit about it. It's, it's more the reactions surrounding it now that tend to piss me off a little bit more. Um, I'm still frustrated with the movie to the extent that I'm still frustrated with Man of Steel, because there's still a good movie in there. There's, like, you see it. Like, you see different scenes, you see uh, character interactions and everything where you're like, man, I wish that had been the movie. Um, But I can't, I mean, I can't honestly say that I outright, like, this is, like, the most hated movie I've ever experienced in my life. You know, that's saved for other things. So, Um, James... Dragon Ball, there we go. Uh, James, it, with so, with a little bit of time and distance between us and the last podcast that we talked about, Man of Steel, not Man of Steel, uh, Batman versus Superman, and Man of Steel, actually. That's basically Man of Steel, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> sort of. Part of it is. It's like yeah. one quarter. <laughs> right. Uh, but how, how are you feeling about the movie so far? 
Sure. So, with with time and distance, mm. uh, a week. Uh, yeah, I know. Right? It's not that much. Uh, Twenty minutes from the theater. <laughs> <laughs> so, with some time and distance, um, it's been one of those where. So, I mean, as far as the general feeling of ha- like, 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 still like my deep seated like disgust for the movie personally. Like it's still it's still totally a thing. Um, <laughs> the thing is I have a lot more I have a way better like discussion bar now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's cuz I got like so much of that anger out like right away cuz I was just like what do you want to cast? Now, let's do now. <laughs> um, and because so, uh, and and you know we did our 3 hour session. Um, I've had some time to read some other reviews the people who have positive reviews and just about all of them I disagree with so many points on mm-hmm. um, and again it's just differences in opinion um, and if I, if I can precursor anything with with any of our discussion tonight uh, <laughs> for anybody listening again just our opinion we're not saying don't go see this movie like we're not saying don't go waste your you know don't go waste your money like if you want to go do that we feel like it's a waste, but that doesn't mean it's going to be for you. Like, I, I also you might love the movie. I also feel like at this point they've probably already wasted their, mo- their money. On probably, it. probably. <laughs> um, I've had, and and that's the thing. It's like, so I mean, I've read some reviews that have brought back some of like the <laughs> like in the instances I read them, they bring back some of that just fervent, passionate anger where I'm like, no. <laughs> Um, especially when, like, I've heard people go, this movie's got layers in it. Oh, So Lord. many layers. It's like, it's like on the same level as, like, Stanley Kubrick. And I'm like, I want to throat punch you right now. How dare you? How dare you compare it to something like that? Like, and, and that's something I said not that long ago in a big, like, Facebook post that I kind of binge wrote on. Mm-hmm. Where I said, I was just like, I was like, right now there there's a lot of people who are going on this level of like this is like the best movie ever this is like or on a more minor degree this is like the best superhero movie ever (laughs) and for me like at the end of it it's like as far as best movie ever um no like i've got a list and this movie doesn't even probably make my like top like 50 um (laughs) as far as movies that i think are better it's like there's um, the list and then there's the uh the discarded paper that i started writing the list on and then there's the trash can and then there's a thing i set fire to and then there's batman v superman <laughs> right so i mean like no it's it, and, it, and it isn't it's not the worst movie i've ever seen again um so far the champion of that <laughs> is is dragon ball Mm. Um, the most whitewashed, horrible rendition of an anime that I was so passionately uh, happy with. And then, like, that movie happened. And I have never verbally said anything out loud in a movie. Like, I'll watch a movie and be like, I don't like this movie. It, that was kind of a shitty movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll walk out respectfully and go, and then, like, once I've cleared the doors, be like, oh, my God, that was crap. What the hell? Um, yeah, no, Dragon Ball was one of those movies where, like... <laughs> I started, we got about halfway through and I started calling shit out, like, out loud in the theater. And that's because everybody else there, like, I already knew, had to be, like, fans 
who were also as disappointed as I was. And by the very end of that movie, like when the final scene happened, I just went, "What? No! I, I'm out. I am out." I felt that way with um, Avatar The Last Airbender. It's like another, you know, weirdly whitewashed movie in places where you're just kind of like, what? The the blueprint was right there for you guys. It wasn't that difficult. So, I mean, with this, it's like, am I going to put it on the level of something like, like my, my, a few of my major movies, I'm like, no, these are some of the best movies ever. It's like The Usual Suspects, Mm -hmm. Silence of the Lambs, The Godfather, uh, Star Wars, like, am I gonna put it into that echelon? Hell no. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, and that's and that's not to say, as you said, that there weren't elements that could have got it there for me. Like, could have got it into like my top twenty greatest movies. And when we go to the more minor degree of best superhero movie, one of the other things I said was, I don't, I don't think we can put a crown on the best superhero movie because I don't feel like any of them have ever been the best Mm -hmm. like I mean sure by opinion it could be the best for somebody but if we're talking in the grand scheme of superhero movies I don't think any of them can take that title because they all bring something different they all bring something unique they all bring something that different fans are going to enjoy and Mm -hmm. other fans aren't going to enjoy and and therefore because you have that dichotomy you're never going to have Something that can just take the crown, because there's always going to be differences. I mean, there's people who are going to watch Civil War, and they're going to be like, oh my god, this may, this movie's the best thing ever. Like, this is the best Marvel movie right here. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to have other people who are going to be like, no, nah, it's still Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, <laughs> like, like, you're going to have those people. So, I mean... It's given me time to, like, really bounce off of ideas from what other people have said and their thoughts um, on the counterpoint, and me just, like just go no no that's not right but that's your opinion and i respect it yeah Uh, so yeah that's kind of where i've come to uh jp since you were not on the initial therapy session um what what has it been for you i mean i i think you were a bit more mellowed out about it to begin with but um what how have your feelings changed about it within the last week or so or are you kind of about the same
I had been saying that about Superman for a long time, even in the comics. Mm-hmm. Like, we've just... And Sam knows how much I, I... How strongly I feel about this. We have just forgotten how to write Superman. Yeah. There is this prevailing belief that he has to be an angsty alien and not a hero. Like, I, I feel like when he was first written when he was first created his being an alien was really just an avenue for him being super powered Mm -hmm. and now it's become like the center of his story as opposed to being the outsider raised to believe that really Superman was supposed to be the ultimate immigrant Mm mm-hmm The ultimate American dream. Someone who came here, grew up in Kansas, and became the ultimate American dream. And it's like we've become so disillusioned with the American dream in this country. Our response is to make Superman almost the enemy. Yeah. And so... Go ahead, Sam. No, I mean, and there, uh, I know that some of the responses that, like, Zack Snyder has come out with, you know, and some of the people who, what, like, what James was uh, mentioning, you know, people who think that the, the movie is much deeper than any of us would maybe be giving it credit for, because, you know, the same thing was said of Sucker Punch, by the way. Uh, <laughs> that uh, this is how Snyder views, like, you know, well, we would be cynical in our, 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 um, our, how we would look at gods. Like anyone who does like something amazing and heroic, like we would suddenly be cynical and, you know, and try to take them down and, and blah, 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 blah. It's like, perhaps like in real life, may, yeah, we, we do that very often, but guess what? Superman isn't a real person. <laughs> like he's a figment of, uh, Siegel and Schuster's imagination made into a comic, made into, uh, uh, you know, cartoons and movies and whatnot. He has 75 years of history. Uh, it's okay if he cracks a smile every once in a while. It doesn't, uh, it, it doesn't diminish him as a character, you know, to have him be hopeful in contrast to Batman's constant cynicism. Yeah, so, and that brings me to my, kind of my feeling about the movie, which is, Comic book writers, and look, as much as I love reading comic books, mm-hmm. and I love all of Frank Miller's stuff, and I love a lot of the stories that Zack Snyder tried to ground pound into that movie. Like, mm-hmm. it was just like, ooh, can I fit this one in? Ooh, can I fit this one in? I bet I can get this one in. Watch. <laughs> um, it, it's, I, I like those stories. And so when I'm watching the movie, I'm like, oh, there's that story. And, oh, there's that story. But there's still the actual character development in it. And I can't help but feel like it's just not, those, that's certainly not my Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, ben Affleck did a great job. He played the part he was given. I think he played it very well. Um, I do not have the same complaints about him that I had about Christian Bale. (laughs) If anything, I have the opposite complaints. Yes, I know your Um, holy war against Christian Bale. I get it. (laughs) Well, and my complaint complaint with Christian Bale was 
great script, great movie, terrible acting. <laughs> terrible interpretation. <laughs> um, whereas in this case, I think, you know, well acted, just not the writing in the script that I would like. Yeah. But to James's point from earlier, I'm not mad about it. I wouldn't stop anyone from seeing it. Hell, I knew I wasn't going to like it, and I still felt compelled to go see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so who am I to tell someone else, don't go spend your money on this? Because I even said, I'm probably not going to like this, and I still went and spent money on it. Yeah. <laughs> um, the only thing I would say is that just just be prepared for the fact that the one thing you will just not enjoy about this is the underlying tone where we're to- we're essentially being dictated by Snyder that this is the real Batman and Superman and that our love of the heroic Batman and the begrudgingly heroic at times like vengeful Batman but still like not killing people Batman mm-hmm. um it's just not they're, that's, they're not there and Snyder doesn't believe they're legitimate and so he paints a very clear picture where he tells all of us who do think that's legitimate you're wrong that's my problem with this movie yeah um, so let's, let's try to just break down the plot a little bit. This isn't going to take the entire length of the, of the movie to do because <laughs> I think we, I think there's a way to condense it down. Uh, basically Lex Luthor wants, uh, Batman and Superman to fight each other to the death. Um, and when that doesn't work out because reasons, uh, he creates Doomsday, which he had done previously to basically just mess the place up and then Superman sacrifices himself because we needed to get not only the Dark Knight Returns by Frank Miller uh, into this, but also uh, Death and Return of Superman. Um, I don't remember who wrote that. Uh, was that Dan Jurgens? Does anyone remember? Anybody? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Anyway, because I think that they, at the end of the movie in the credits, I believe they thank Frank Miller and Dan Jurgens. so... Um, I would I would think that he wrote Death and Return because otherwise why would you thank him? Um, so, so we have uh, a, a plot that, when condensed down, is basically just a ten minute fight and a death and a setup for the Justice League. So, um, yeah, where <laughs> where to start with this? Oh, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a a page out of JP's book from long ago in a when we did our Man of Steel podcast uh, on a, another another website in a long, long time ago. Uh, we're going to talk about what we liked about the movie first. And I'm gonna, I'll am gonna i go first. Um, le- like, uh, I think we've, we've all said it at some point. Like, I thought the cast was really good. Uh, again, Ben Affleck is a, a fantastic Batman. He's a great Bruce Wayne as well. He, he gets the character, and there's a, a lot to be said for... So what little they gave him to actually work with, he still shined, uh, outshined it. And I'm actually very curious to see what his um, 
solo Batman movie is going to be because he's written a script that WB recently confirmed it's like finished or at least the first draft is. Um, and he's going to be directing it and starring in it. And I'm actually a lot more excited for that because I want to believe he has a better outlook on Batman <laughs> and that it's not just going to be, oh, well, we'll just stick with what, you know, Zack Snyder did. Anyway, I thought Ben Affleck was great. I thought Jeremy Irons was a great uh, Alfred. Uh, Gal Gadot, I thought, was a, a good Wonder Woman for what they brought in. And her her role in the end is uh, fantastic for what it was. Like her fight scenes and even her guitar riffs. You know, the uh, that thing just jolts you into awareness again. You're like, oh my god, holy shit, that's Wonder Woman. Uh and, and even Henry Cavill, again, they give him very little to do in this movie that isn't scowling and pretending to fly and shoot laser beams from his eyes. But when he does talk, it's it's okay, you know? I, I thought he was a great, you know, again, you can't say he's a great Superman because they don't give him enough uh, to do ever. So he's a good Superman. I would like him to be a great Superman, so they need to give him something to do to prove that part. Um, and, uh, oh, you know, I liked Amy Adams as well. And Lawrence Fishburne, uh, obviously. So I'm just going to say the cast, because that's really the only thing I can think of that's as positive. Um, James, uh, what, what do you believe are the good things? What do you like about the movie? Um, so I'll definitely agree on the front of the cast. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I agree with, I, th- I think everybody did the best they could do, mm-hmm. as said, with what they were given. Um, I did like the representation, um, again, of Batman. And such a big part of that is, of course, I mean, anybody who knows me, anybody who's met me, anybody who's had any kind of conversation with me, just knows I'm, I'm a Batman fanboy. I really am. I, I, I love Batman. I love Fists of Justice and putting people <laughs> in the hospital. Um, you love him so much, why don't you marry him? Right, like, I love it. Um, I thought Ben Affleck did great, and, and I was, I was, I was on the bandwagon with everybody else when it was announced that Ben Affleck was going to be playing Batman, and I was just like, oh, it's going to be Daredevil over again, why? (laughs) Um, and then of course over time, like, I mean, me, I, I know I've even, I even had discussions with JP about this, we podcasted about it, and it was... And, and that was the point that was made. It's just like, you know, Ben Affleck, uh, he's come a long ways since the Daredevil days. Mm-hmm. Um, and and he's improved a lot as an actor. Um, he's improved uh, as a director, a writer. Um, like, he, he's come a very long ways. Um, so, uh, much Renaissance, like, right? Renaissance, yeah. Yeah, Renaissance. Renaissance. <laughs> um, you know, like, well, it's it's like, once he, once he got rid of bad relationships in his life, um, I feel like, you know, he took a real turning point. Um, <laughs> but he... Uh, you mean you don't see the cinematic quality of Reindeer Games? <laughs> right. <laughs> or Jiggly. Um, so, it's... So, uh, again, I really liked Ben Affleck. I thought he did great. Uh, just the same as Sam. Looking forward to a solo Batman movie. Um, cause I want to see, I want to see what he's, A, what he's written, uh, for the character and what is going to be new to the table. Um, and what we're going to see change in his solo story of Batman. Like what, what is he going to change about the character that maybe are things he didn't necessarily care for? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, having played the character in, in 
Batman v Superman, and you know, and all, also the mix of like reviews and like how much of that like he took or, or anything to like uh, you know implement into the writing as far as any changes with the, the character. Um, there are some changes I really hope to see. Um, so uh, yeah, um, as far as uh, yeah. Kind of the same with Henry Cavill. Uh, like, I think he fits the suit really great. <laughs> really do. Um, that's about all I can ever say. And I mean, I even had this discussion with my best friend, who is a huge Man of Steel fan. He was a huge fan of this movie. He loves them. Um, he thought they were great movies, but he even he was willing to admit because I was like, "Here's the problem: is like, really think about this." They barely gave him any lines. Like, he, he doesn't say anything, like, super profound. He argues with Perry at one point. He tells he tells Lois he loves her <laughs> a couple of times. And then he tells Batman to stop being Batman. Yeah. Or else. Oh, and then he and, says his mother's name a couple of times in a really weird yeah. way. <laughs> like, like, I know... give big ups to the uh, the costume uh, people or whatever like well done well done <laughs> right right well and that's the thing is like even um um i can't remember his first name but uh mr calera who did a fanfic uh batman movie it's like almost like an eight nine minute uh short film that he did about batman mm-hmm. like even in that that was in 2003 and they did a way better cowl in that like the because like that's the first thing like because he's a he's a costuming guy like he does all that stuff like he does all the sculpting work um so i mean he's he's done all of that kind of crap so this is a guy who functionally went i'm a huge fan of batman batman has to turn his head in that shit um otherwise it's kind of pointless and so like they really focused on it that's probably the only other cowl i've ever seen but again that's in an eight minute short Mm -hmm. um so yeah, those are kind of some of the things uh, I think I liked um, in terms of, again, it really comes down to uh, the actors, 
Um, some of the aesthetics that they used uh, were, were pretty good. I mean, overall, I liked the Batmobile. Um, it, it, it was a Batmobile. Um, <laughs> the Batwing. I really liked the Batwing. The Batwing actually felt really true to um, most iterations of the Batwing that we, we usually see. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, again, I liked a lot of those aesthetics that were there. Um, and then just everything else was, yeah. We'll get into that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> JP, uh, what were what were the things you actually enjoyed about the movie or liked at least? So for me, the best part of this movie was Gal Gadot. Mm-hmm. Um, she was never weak. She never came across as anything but her own character. Mm-hmm. Um. So as much as I will bitch and moan about the portrayal of these characters and the the writing in this film, the one thing I cannot complain about, and I would actually praise the creative team on this movie for, is that at no point does Wonder Woman not shine as a powerful figure. Mm -hmm. Um, And that made me really happy. Um, I, I liked... I liked Ben Affleck, obviously. I, I really want to like Henry Cavill. The The thing about Henry Cavill is that um, he, he makes an okay Superman. He is just slowly becoming so associated with this iteration of Superman. And I go back to, you know, even Brandon Ruth's portrayal. Mm-hmm. And I just, I think, you know... Now, that movie was terrible. Okay? <laughs> Return of Superman was terrible. Mm-hmm. Okay? But even then, even when Return of Superman came out, um, I loved Brandon Ruth's Superman. No, he, he was the best, it. like, um, you know, uh, predecessor, not predecessor, successor to, like, the Christopher Reeve, which, I mean, obviously this movie was supposed to be between, what, Superman 2 and 3? Something like that? Anyone? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. It was basically yeah, a love letter like to the Richard Donner movie, so... Yeah, but the the thing about it is, but Brandon Ruth has that, and anything you watch him in, even now when you watch um, Legends of Tomorrow, anything you watch him in, he is just a happy-go-lucky guy. Mm-hmm. He, he could play the American dream very well, so... Uh, that aside, Henry Cavill's a good, is an okay Superman. I, he's just becoming so associated with this version of Superman that um, I don't know that I'm going to continue liking him. Yeah. And we use the whole death of Superman thing quite literally here because his death is obviously not real. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so We'll get into that. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, so he was... You know, he's all right. Gal Gadot was clear. You know what I really liked, though? Hmm. Um, the, the the moment I really got excited and um, um, was when they did the snippets, when Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman is watching the snippets for the rest of the Justice League. Oh, the, the, um, the trailers for the other movies we're eventually going to get, yeah. Yeah, essentially, <laughs> yeah. They're, um, particularly the 
cyborg one mm-hmm. with the mother box that felt very organic yeah. and enjoyable like that really got me excited about that character um i the the only one that i would say i'm not excited about is flash mm-hmm. um but i would say that to some extent that might be a victim of the fact that there's so much good flash content out there at the moment i i just really don't need this other additional one yeah um particularly if it's going to be a berry that doesn't act like berry um yeah so that um jesse eisenberg i i don't like this version of lex but i thought he did a good job with it mm-hmm. um and I think there's some political undertones to the movie that are not completely terrible. They're just kind of unnecessary. Yeah, no, you're, you're right on that. I mean, the political stuff isn't... It's not like you couldn't do those things. Um, certainly we're seeing that more in superhero movies, especially with the upcoming you know, uh, Captain America Civil War. Um, you know, this idea of superheroes existing within some kind of reality, because regardless of whether or not they're trying, you know, with the DC movies where they're trying to be like grim and gritty and realistic in quotation marks, um, the, the fact of the matter is that if, you know, how you present your heroes, there has to be some kind of reaction from the people around them in the government, obviously. And I think every movie tries to find their way of commenting on, you know, specifically American politics, because all of these superheroes pretty much operate out of America. So, uh, but yeah, the political undertones to Batman versus Superman, while could, they could have been interesting, they just kept falling flat. And, and I mean, that's what you could probably say about this entire movie is that there's, there's ideas, there's, there's scenes, there's characters that it's like they're, they're just kind of skimming the surface. Like they could have gone so much further with them if they hadn't, uh, I guess, bogged themselves down with additional plot lines. I mean, this movie really needed to like skim off at least two of this other stories that they had going on there. Like, I don't... Death and Return of Superman was not necessary. Like, there was a way to end this movie that didn't involve martyrdom, which, again, that's something else we'll get into. Um, and even... I mean, I don't know. There, there were certain aspects even to the Batman v Superman part that were really unnecessary. Um, so, uh, you know, James, what, what, what were your feelings on the uh, abundance of plot, basically, that's going on in this? Because not only we do, do we have, again, Dark Knight Returns... And basically, it's just a three-page fight. Uh, we have a political um, uh, undercover investigation that practically goes nowhere. Death and Return of Superman. And uh, I, got, I feel like there's another one in there that I'm missing. But again, we have we have many plots. Uh, what are your feelings on that? <sighs> yeah, I mean, it's plots within plots within plots of plots like it's <laughs> plots folded into plots like it's so it's so crazy and and uh, yeah like it's one of those like in discussions i've had uh where i've gone really they did not need to make this movie they could have made like three other movies mm-hmm. and that would have been great we could have 
gotten a solo Batman movie, and it could have been awesome. We could have got a Man of Steel 2, where maybe, like, somewhere in between, like, they meet each other, mm-hmm. and then, like, we start building on that. Um, we take, you know, I don't know, certain nods from the comic and, like, how they discover each other's identities. Uh, you know, we could have done some really great stuff between, like, just two movies. Um, and then, you know, third movie. Um, instead of doing, like, <sighs> instead of feeding what every fanboy or girl has dreamed about with the whole Batman versus Superman, because we, we do, we all know, we all know the factuality of that fight, uh, regardless of who wants to argue. I mean, when you get down to A, pure physics, <laughs> and B, uh, just the reality of things. Um, ultimately, unless Batman literally tricks and gets the upper hand, like if uh, unless he, he, he pulls a sucker punch kind of move, mm-hmm. there's no way. There's just no way. Yeah, or so he, really or if this... he has, like, psychic powers and knows that it's coming. <laughs> it's like... Right, right, which, you know, Maybe mm. that might be a thing that's happening that Batman's turning into Miss Cleo in this weird movie universe. Seems uh, uh, <laughs> James, I do not agree with you on that comment, but we can revisit that when you're done. <laughs> so, so it's one of those where we we have this this issue of. Throwdown didn't need to happen. Um, and we all know that it could have been resolved in about 30 seconds mm-hmm. if these weren't, you know, uh, basically two grown ass men in the mind frame of college bros. Like, admittedly, <laughs> Superman tries to come at it like logically, like, like, we need to talk. You don't understand. And then the second, like, Bruce really kind of, like, lands the attack to him, like, reasoning goes out the window. Like, he's just like, all right, like, I'll show you my power, and then maybe that'll make you think twice. And it's like, motherfucker, that's Batman. Do you not know who you're fucking with? Like, he doesn't care how much power you have. Like, he thinks he's smarter than you. Like, that's, that's yeah. how this comes down. Um, so, so and then and then that's all it was. was like, all right, fisticuffs. It, it was the most bullshit reason to fight yeah. in the history of that. Um, to speak nothing of the reason that they're, they're fighting in the first place is is through Lex Luthor's, you know, manipulations, you know, quote unquote. And then it really just comes down to, I kidnapped your mom, so fight that guy and bring me back his head or he'll kill you. I don't care. <laughs> like, so, so there's that. Uh, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Like, death and return of Superman. Well, really, just the death of Superman. Yeah. Did not need to happen. It was completely unnecessary. Um, not to mention, we didn't actually get a see. I mean, he was Doomsday in name only. We didn't actually see Superman fight a real Doomsday. We saw him fight a really terribly CGI rock troll from the Hobbit movies. Mm-hmm. Um, that <laughs> shit. Like again, like it just it wasn't necessary. And and so when people start talking about layers and there's all these layers that's all i can think about is like that's what they've got to think are the layers it's just the bullshit minutiae that gets in the way of everything from just a real plot like like every every story every movie whether it's a comedy a drama a thriller it doesn't matter they all have a beginning a middle and an end 
<laughs> that's the structure. It's really simple. Not we need to have a beginning that is like the world's most fucked up family tree sketch from like a five year old <laughs> to get to the middle, and then we're gonna just do it again to get to the end. Like I don't, I don't need a, like I do want exposition and I do want depth. Like I don't want people to confuse what I'm saying for. I don't need a movie with depth or layers. I fucking watched Inception. I love that movie. That movie had layers, literally and figuratively. Like, <laughs> and this movie doesn't even come close to like that kind of mental like brain tickle for me. Like, this movie was just lots of confusion. And like, unless unless you even remotely knew something about these characters, which was all just a lie, anyways, for us, <laughs> was you know like. You, you were, I, I mean, I've talked to people who aren't comic fans and were just literally lost for the first, like, two-thirds of this movie. They're like, I don't, I didn't understand anything that was happening. Like, there was the weird dream, and then this guy in some, like, armor, and there was lightning, and he showed up, and I was like, who the fuck is that? And then nobody explained it, so I was like, whatever. And for people to be like, well, this is how comics work. Okay, sure, that's how comics work on some levels, to some extent-ish, depending on the comic, but even then, like, Next week, we get a new fucking issue, and then we can figure out what the hell's happening. Well, that you, doesn't work in movie format. It and even doesn't. by that logic, too, like if uh, if you're you're reading a comic book, you know on the title, you know what you're gonna get basically. Like if you're reading a Flash comic, guess what? Your main character is gonna be the Flash. <laughs> you know. Right. And if you're watching them, but I mean, the same doesn't seem to apply here to, you know, Batman versus Superman, where in a movie entitled Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice, there's really not even a whole lot of Batman versus Superman until like the the last third. And even then, that's a 10 minute fight. 10 minutes. Yeah. Like 10 minutes of Batman versus Superman. And yes, there's the Dawn of Justice thing. But even then, that's clunky. It was was more like it was was more like the Dawn of Sadness. (laughs) Um, JP, do you have a rebuttal? <laughs> um, for a couple of things. Mm-hmm. One, I would say, yeah, I would say this about the movie. I didn't like how it was done. Its execution was poor. But I do think that the whole beginning part of the movie, it's still Batman versus Superman. There's still a commentary about ideology here, right? Sort um, of. What's interesting... What's interesting about that, the reason why I don't like that story is because that I don't think Superman would agree that the the ideology being applied to him is his ideology. No. Um, Which, but of course, because he's never actually allowed to talk about it, we don't get any of that. (laughs) Right. Um, And so we're just left to the rest of the movie's interpretation of his ideology. Mm. Um, but I would say that there's a commentary, at least on Batman's end, about ideology, about power versus responsibility, Mm -hmm. right? Um, and that Batman is vengeful and, you know, angry and we get it, he's mad, you know, about everything, but there's also some really good commentary, particularly between him and Alfred, that hints at the fact that he feels like the problem with Superman is that he he's irresponsible, and the fact that we can't hold him accountable to that irresponsibility 
is problematic. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's valid. I feel like that's a valid story. It may not have been well executed, but it's a valid sentiment. No, right? and, and see, yeah, that that's that's a, a a valid you know a valid idea that Batman would have, and it's and it's completely consistent with his character as we've known him in the comics, and even um, you know it's understandable considering what's happened thus far in the in the DC cinematic universe and everything. Yeah, and, and like you said, it's just you know it's it's brought up but then nothing happens with it and it's just poorly executed because they think that just because they brought it up that's enough <laughs> it's like yeah I, I think that the thing that really irritates me though is the fact that this the one thing about Batman that pisses me off in this movie other than that he's just murdering people mm. um, is that there, it, there's almost none of his normal, thoughtful approach to the problem. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm just so angry. I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna scheme like Batman does, but I'm just so angry. I don't really care to like explain any of my actions or to like give Clark even the time of day to give his his side of the story. And even when Clark's like, dude, I'm not really here to fight you. You know, Lex just really wants me to kill you, and I don't want to do that. Um, you know, he's just not having it, which is weird to me. That that whole exchange is weird to me. Yeah. I will say this, James. <laughs> yes, oh, I knew Bat- he was coming back. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Batman can beat Superman. Yes, that has always been a thing. Yes, because... The power of Batman is that he is not the superhero. He's the smartass. He's the genius. He's the one who figures out. He is the one who's just conniving enough to figure out what is the worst possible thing to happen to you and be like, I'm not going to do this. I'm just going to put it in my back pocket. And in that sense, he, the, you know, the story that I would love seeing told is that Batman could break Superman down emotionally. Mm. You know, kryptonite gas aside, (laughs) he could beat Superman emotionally. He has the means, and he's done it in the comic books to various extents over the years, but he has the means to make Clark question everything about himself. Mm -hmm. And again... That would have been an excellent story. Like, if I was Batman, and I saw this guy who seems heroic, but did all this bad stuff, my Batman would have been like, alright, weird alien guy, I am going to make you feel like shit. (laughs) Because I can. Because I should. Mm -hmm. Because you should feel like shit for the stuff that you've done. Well, and it's it's one of those things that just it it boggles my mind why Bruce Wayne, you know, I mean, it, and I can I can totally buy the idea of him being pissed off that Superman and Zod basically wrecked his building. Like that's that's legitimate beef, you know, with the guy uh, for not t- you know being aware enough to to take the enemy that's you know shooting laser beams out of his eyes out of a city where you're both just messing the whole place up. Um, 
so I can get behind that. And, and I think even when we did the Man of Steel podcast, it was like the setup for the sequel seemed very obvious. Like, you know, the, the rebuilding of Metropolis should have been almost like a joint effort between Bruce Wayne and Lex Luthor. This was before they cast Jesse Eisenberg, so I assumed it would be much more of the businessman type, um, a little bit more um, involved in philanthropy, even though Lex has that weird speech about philanthropy and basically goes crazy on stage while everyone's watching him. Uh, but the the idea should have been, you know, or at least in my mind, it should have you know, somehow surrounded Bruce and Lex kind of working on something that was much more about their shared um, uh, fear of Superman being like this man, you know, th- they would both almost feed off of each other in the sense that they're like, this guy has so much power and we can't just let that happen because who's he going to answer to the government of course not you know at least in their mind so that could have at least fed into the the um the stoking of bruce's anger and his uh um his his feelings towards superman before he you know has his you know turnaround and everything but just the 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 way it happens in the movie it's just so it's like he's just he's angry because his building, you know, was was uh, destroyed and people he knew, or at least this one guy he knew, uh, was killed because it's not like anyone else he's known has ever died. Um, you know, his parents, uh, at least a Robin. Um, but the fact is that when they keep saying things like he's been around for 20 years, it's like, so in those 20 years, you've never been like so freaking pissed off that you've gone like off the rails and come back from that or maybe learn from that experience? Like... I, I don't buy that when you set up a timeline that kind of says he would at least approach this on some kind of a logical level. Yeah. Yeah, so we've talked about on our many D- DC podcasts over the years mm-hmm. about how much I love the fact that there's an interesting play on Superman's best friend and worst enemy essentially being the same guy mm-hmm. um you know what's we don't we don't really think about it a lot of the times but when you stop and really think about the things that make bruce bruce and lex lex they're they're pretty similar mm-hmm. they they both believe they're doing what's right for the normal guy um they both believe they're the heroes of their own story and they both often question whether Superman even existing is valid. The only difference between the two of them is that, um, to some extent, well, really, the only difference is that Batman doesn't kill people, which we can't even say in this story. So, Murderverse! Um, <laughs> So to some extent, there's there's this real interesting dichotomy. If if they had taken James's suggestion and just broken this up into movies, I think there could have been this really compelling story about Superman's growing distrust and and falling out with Lex and the the juxtaposition of his relationship with Bruce mm-hmm. and the way that he had. Lex forces him to question himself, and Bruce doesn't always say, no, man, ignore him, you're right. Um, I, I think there's some, just a missed opportunity there. Mm-hmm. 
yeah. Um, so I, I kind of want to move on to the women of of this movie, as as is my want to do. Uh, so we've we've all talked about how we enjoyed uh, Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman, Diana Prince. Uh, certainly, her scenes for the ten to fifteen minutes that she's actually in the movie are some of the the better ones, definitely. Um, but it seems that Wonder Woman is the only one who's treated well in the movie. <laughs> um, because Lois and Martha and Mercy and I guess Martha Wayne, if you really want to go with it. But um, the, for, for the most part, Martha Kent, Lois Lane, and Mercy Graves are, are do not make it out of this movie uh, all that, that well. Um, so, uh, JP, I'd actually like to ask you about them first. Like, uh, I mean, what, what is your overall impression of the things that have happened to the women in this movie? So my impression of anyone who's ever parented Clark Kent, um, in any Zack Snyder film is that they are the worst iterations of those characters ever. Mm -hmm. Um, don't get me wrong. The actors are fantastic. I love Kevin Costner. I love, um, oh, it just walked right out of my Diane head. Lane. Diane Lane. Um, I think they're fantastic actors and actresses. Um, they are terrible versions of those characters. <laughs> the worst versions of those characters in the history of those characters ever, yeah. period. Um, and this movie does wonders to make that even more true. Like I could not, I could not think that I would dislike them any more than I did after Man of Steel, and yet, new heights are reached. <laughs> um, that being said, terrible. Um, Lois was one of my favorite parts of Man of Steel. Um, she is not that in Batman versus Superman. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she comes off weak. I think she comes off oddly emotional, um, and I think she comes off as a just like plot, like a plot device in so many scenes that is almost just not necessary. Yeah. Um, uh, Mercy, I, you know, I, I, I get the feeling that she was really just kind of a nod to a to a thing um i i agree she's not well used but i i don't know that she was meant to be well used mm-hmm. it could have been that it was really just a matter of um you know it, this is just a nod to a character there she is um but it's very similar I in did, this Go ahead. No, no, I mean, it's just very similar in the in the sense that when Snyder was asked about, you know, the Jimmy Olsen, you know, quote-unquote cameo, uh, where it's like, well, we didn't know what to do with Jimmy, really. You don't think he really fit in. So we thought it'd be kind of fun to, you know, murder him in the face. Um, I mean, so they do that to, yeah. Jim, to Jimmy Olsen, and then Mercy Graves, who, a lo- you know, a, a, again, yes, this is much more of a deep-cut character, but if you watch the cartoons especially, Mercy's a pretty big deal when it comes to, you know, Lex Luthor. So to, for me at least, it was like watching a character who could have been like really awesome if they'd actually given her anything to do, uh, just be blowed up because, you know, reasons. <laughs> yeah, I, I, again, 
you know, I, I don't think she's well utilized. I like the nod to the character. Mm-hmm. I don't think that character is one that's necessary to any story. Um, because she's another one that got her start in the animated universe, right? Mm-hmm. So I think there's some a, a sentimental um, value there for many fans. And clearly Snyder was, this was just a sentimental movie for Snyder. He just wanted everything he loved about everything DC shoved into one film. <laughs> um, and so yeah, her being there makes sense in that context, but, you know, it's it's... It's not necessary, and it just ends up being another character in the the win. I the Jimmy Olsen thing pisses me off. Yeah, <laughs> it, it angers me. It, if there's anything about this movie that angers me, like it's just like sacrilegious. It's the Jimmy Olsen thing. Yeah, there's no need to include Jimmy. You could have just said no. That's just the camera guy. Jimmy Olsen's off doing something else, and mm-hmm. we'd have been like, okay. That or, makes sense. Or he could have just the been fact- some some dude in the Daily Planet who they just kind of off, you know, they just mention like, oh, hey, Jimmy, bye, you know, something like that. Like, you didn't have to just murder the guy. Um, yeah, so, yeah, that's terrible. Mm. Um, who's the last female character that, did we mention? Uh, the senator. Oh, that's right, yeah, yeah. Um, again, I think the way she's used, once she kind of realizes that um, Lex is a nut job is not my favorite. Like she's she's a much stronger personality in the beginning of the movie than she does by the time she's ex- blown up. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think the female characters are well done. But um, you know the thing, the, the interesting thing about Zack Snyder, if you go back and you watch all of his movies, and his movies are very female centric, um, they always start really strong and end poorly mm-hmm. um, and I think that is because he just doesn't know what to do with them after the first five minutes <laughs> I hope that's not a commentary on how he is in bed um, <laughs> but um, that's truly the case like he just doesn't know what to do with them after like oh okay cool female character here she is she's great um, now she winds in a corner. Well, I mean, yeah, it's like, even at, like, the beginning of, of Man of Steel, like, Lois actually is, like, really well done in terms of her introduction when, they, you know, shows up in the Arctic and every, or the frozen Canadian North, I suppose. Uh, you know, when she's just kind of, like, showing how she can, like, stand up to a lot of these military guys, which, you know, obviously she can because she's the daughter of a, of a, of a general, basically. But they don't reveal that part, so whatever. Um, but then, yeah, through the rest of Man of Steel, it's just like, okay, how can we shoehorn Lois into more of this movie where she really doesn't belong? And the same is true of the the, the opening of uh, Batman versus Superman, where you have Lois in the middle of, you know, war-torn Africa, basically, uh, and she's talking to a warlord of some sort, and you get kind of that feel like, oh, of course she would have gone into this, you know, area, because she's friggin' Lois Lane, and, you know, that's what she does. But then it slowly devolves into, like, I didn't know the CIA was with me, which I I don't ever believe Lois wouldn't know the CIA was with her. Um, maybe Lex's hired goons, perhaps, I don't know. But anyway, and then, then, she just, then it just becomes a hostage situation, and it's just kind of like, seriously? Um, 
And then after that, it's just Lois in danger, Lois in danger, Lois in danger, Lois drowning, Lois crying. And that's about it. And it's just like she's not active except for when she throws that stupid spear into the water and then tries to go back and get it because the plot demanded it. Um, Oh, and the adrenaline rush where she picks Superman up like out of the water without breaking a sweat. Oh, yeah, yeah, that part too. (laughs) Well, he was weakened by kryptonite, so maybe he's easier to pull out of water. Yeah, he just got lighter. He, he, he loses weight when he has, is exposed to kryptonite. It's like, I'm, I'm 250 most of the time, but that kryptonite, it burns off that fat so well. His buoyancy. Many would love to have. <laughs> it's the greatest buoyancy kind of uh, thing ever. Um, James, uh, what what uh, what do you have to say about the treatment of the, the women in this movie? Um, I mean, I agree. As far as Wonder Woman's concerned, uh, I mean, again, the movie wasn't to be about her, but I ended up finding myself going, God, I wish she had just had, like, way more screen time, because mm-hmm. I feel like it just would have been way better. Um, but she was phenomenal. But, yeah, I mean, for the most part, like, I don't know. Like, I've always had a problem, and it's one of the issues I have with the whole Superman universe, um, it's one of the general problems that DC kind of has in the way generally they kind of treat a lot of their female characters. Um, and that is like, they're like, if it's not a female hero, um, for certain, if it's not a female hero, like it's a female supporting character of some Mm -hmm. kind, like, uh, Lois Lane. It's always the damsel in distress fucking bullshit. Like, and it just, I'm so burned out on it. I'm so over it by this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and a big part of that is because Superman is super in the sense of his powers and what he is. But alternatively, as a human with his emotions, he's kind of a weak person. Like, he, because he's always, like, in that, like, because they perpetually put him in this weird area where he he has no confidence in himself as far as how to handle his emotions and what he should do and how he should make decisions. Like he kind of looks to other people to help him do that. And that's what we saw with like man of steel with like his relationship with his father, with Jonathan Kent, all that kind of stuff was like, it was always like, and, and even perpetually into this, like Jonathan kind of, you know, promotes him to be a hero, but he doesn't really solidly make that decision on his own Mm -hmm. um, for quite a while. So it goes it goes to say that he needs a strong female support um, if he's going to have like he could be Superman to save the world, but he needs a superwoman who doesn't actually have powers, just on an intellectual level and everything, to be there to like lift him up and make him a better like human, so to speak. Because mm-hmm. um, that's where he's weak. And the problem is, is when you have a character like Lois, where she has moments in this movie, well, that's like a thing. Um, I mean, her biggest thing is, like, she's telling him, you know, like, well, you don't need to save me. And it's like, well, that doesn't make any kind of sense. Like, clearly he does, like, repeatedly. <laughs> right? Like, like repeatedly. Like, I don't know. You had a gun to your head. Guy was going to shoot you. Uh, so, obviously, somebody needed to save you. Um, or, hey, you know that spear you threw in for no reason whatsoever? Well, now you're trapped under rocks. Just so you can be the damsel in distress. So he can come save you. Mm-hmm. Um and it just gets so worn out. It's one of the reasons I think I like like what we see in the TV universe alternatively where um, like with Supergirl, obviously like 
it's Supergirl. She's not the damsel in distress. But there's a number of other female characters that are in this show that I never feel like they overuse that trope. Mm-hmm. Um, like, they're they're strong, they stand on their own, they have conviction, etc., etc. And that's where this movie just failed on so many levels. I mean, Martha was just... It was just so fucked up. Like, mm-hmm. like just to be blunt. It was just so fucked up <laughs> how they decided to use her. And that's the thing, is I don't have a problem with, like... Lex Luthor kidnapping Martha Kent to use Martha against Superman. I don't have a problem with that, just that part of it. Yeah. That's fine. Bad guys do that on a fairly regular basis. Kidnap somebody you love to make you do the things they want you to do. Because they're dickheads. It's what they do. (laughs) Um, But in this sense, like, I really feel like they kind of just crossed a line. And then they dropped it. Like, that's that's what was so weird to me is, like, he shows the pictures of Martha, and I mean, it's some traumatic-looking shit. Like yeah. I, like it was rapey. It was really no, rapey. Looking. It has like it has um it it reeks of the killing joke in a weird way. Yeah, yeah, and so like I and so the, like the photos are super uncomfortable to look at, and that's the thing is like they they didn't do anything to establish that this version of Lex Luthor was an uncomfortable villain. Like, they didn't do that. It wasn't like Jessica Jones with Kilgrave or anything like that, where, like, it was really clearly established. This is an uncomfortable character. Like, Mm -hmm. the villain is not a good person, and he's an uncomfortable person to even imagine what he could make other people do, especially other females, like, be able to do. Like, and so it was a premise that was established. But in this, that's never said. You don't think they were trying to do that in that scene with him and the senator? I mean, I think they were to an extent, but it was just so poorly executed. Like, everything, like, for me, with everything else that we see Lex in, like, every scene that we see Lex in, for the most part, like, his character just falls flat to me. Like, the only the only scene the character felt strong to me, like, the closest we could possibly get to what I imagine Lex Luthor being, which is, you know, not a crazy person, but just a brilliant asshole. Um, <laughs> like... Was, was initially when, when the, the, I don't know if it was another senator or congressman or whatever, who, like, shows up at LexCorp, and they start talking business, basically. They're talking shop, and he's kind of saying, like, I want these things because, like, I want access to it because I want to study it because I'm a scientist. Like, that that was kind of the general overlay, and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, no, I'm good with that. And then he went to crazy town. Oh, with um, the, uh, the Jolly Rancher scene? Yeah, so I was just like, I don't know. And I think, I, I think as you said, they tried to establish that in the scene with the senator with Helen Hunt. Um, but again, it just kind of fell flat for me. Um, but then, uh, again, coming back to like what happened with Martha, like we get the photos, we get this uncomfortability, and then they just dropped it like entirely. like Because like, we get to where Bruce goes to save her, and she's just like tied up to a chair. If she was even tied up, I don't even know if she was tied up to the chair. Like, I think she was just, uh, like, it seemed to me like she was just there, and it's a bunch of armed guys, but she's not bound and gagged anymore. There's no writing on her forehead. Like, I don't know if, like, there was, like, some, like, it's a total disconnect. And it's, like, it is a little minutia kind of thing to pay attention to, but it pulled me out of whatever kind of, like, how fucked up Luther could possibly be immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying they should have continued it. I really don't feel like it was necessary to start with. But, 
you know, and, and, and I don't know. It, it leaves me with a lot of questions of, of their convictions as far as like, did you guys do the photo op and then be like, oh, maybe this is too, like, 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 and then film the scene. And then after you film the scene, went, God, maybe those photos were too over the line, but we're not going to really like change the scene. We're going to leave that, but we'll just change everything afterwards because now it's like super awkward. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> whoever the continuity person was on that movie was just like, Hey guys, if you're going to change this particular thing, maybe you might want to get rid of the scene where he shows her, you know, shows Clark, uh, Polaroids of his mother bound and gagged with the word witch written over her, you know, head and everything. It's right. it's just like, first of all, I question the use of Polaroids. I mean, other than to be super creepy <laughs> rapey in the first place. But it's like, this is Lex Luthor, I guess, and according to the movie, it's Lex Luthor Jr. Because God forbid, whatever. Um, but uh, so you're telling me that this, you know, tech mogul wouldn't just have filmed her and like shown a video to Clark instead of like throwing, I mean... I, I don't know. Like, I like, let's go with the Stone Age technology rather than like something that would be expected mm-hmm. of somebody of his nature and stature to use. Yeah. Well, and 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 even even given, like, I mean, I remember in the the three hour uh, therapy session, I I mean, I was genuinely disturbed when when those photos showed up because I mean, right. my, well, I was sitting next to my friend Nina and everything, and when that happened, I just like audibly gasped because it's just kind of like. That's, I mean, that's just a line in terms, especially in terms of a superhero movie. I mean, especially with these heroes in particular. You know, it's, it just, it felt wrong on like a visceral level, you know? Well, and and I know, I know an immediate response that's going to happen when we say something like this. There's going to be somebody, inevitably, (laughs) there's going to be somebody out there who goes, yeah, but situations like that have been used in DC Comics. Mm. Yes, you're right. Did they need to be? Nope. Mm. <laughs> I'll say right now, nope, nope. they didn't. Um, it was. It, it's unnecessary to use that as a plot device to drive your story forward. Um, it's one thing, like, and, and that's the thing, is like, I, as a man, I don't ever feel comfortable trying to argue where, where, when, or in what situation it's ever appropriate. Because as a man... I can't make that argument mm-hmm. ever. Like it, it's just, it, it sounds bad every way you try to form it. Um, you know, it's, it's very much on the level of somebody like trying to argue something about, about somebody of race from their perspective. And it's like, you're white as fuck. You can't say that. <laughs> um, so it's the same thing, but yeah, I mean, it's, and I mean, as far as like anybody, like I mean, I loved Holly Hunter. I I loved her as the senator. I liked what she brought forward as the character. Um, and it was it, and it was like an interesting scene, even though again, like I thought she was fine for it mm-hmm. um, because they established like she was like a senator from Kentucky or Tennessee or whatever. Well, yeah, with her um, accent, so, you, you know, had to acknowledge it. So. <laughs> Right, and so her, like, using that line of being like, you know, you can piss in a mason jar and tell me that it's grandma's peach tea, but it don't mean I'm going to believe it kind of thing, right? Mm. And then, and and that's the thing, is like, the scene was just really distracting all in all, like, I didn't know where it was going, so by the time they finally come around to where she sees, you know, the mason jar that never would have made it past security, Mm -hmm. on her tabletop, um, with all of, everybody else, which, like... Unless you were really paying attention to the line, I could see where dozens of people like, like, didn't even make the connection when they saw like the mason jar. Like they so obviously had to even have her 
turn it mm-hmm. so that the audience can read the label and go, oh. Like, it didn't give the audience credit that we would have caught on to it because, honestly, we would have pr- – we most probably did miss it. Well, and, um, and also the fact is that, she, you know, she had been – she was up on the – at the dais well before Superman got there. I mean, and so how did she not notice it prior to that? Like, she it just seems like she sits down, starts talking, then notices that, oh, there happens to be a mason jar here that weren't there before. Um, it's, so it's, it's just awkwardly set up. It would have been more interesting if like she sees the, the jar and then Superman arrives and there's almost like not enough time for her to react. And then as she's talking, she, she starts stumbling over her words and everything like those are things that I think those are the things that bug me more because it's like, these are easy fixes guys. It's like, these are, are, they're also like somewhat character and story driven at the same time. I mean, even the the idea of Holly Hunter's character, like I I I liked her in the beginning where she's talking about accountability and blah 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 blah. Um, but it would have been really interesting if like maybe they had just gone with the Superman's being framed for these murders and and you know like Lois is if you want to give Lois an active role, Lois is the one who's trying to prove him innocent, you know, by doing what she does best, which is investigate stuff. Um, and then Holly Hunter could be, you know, instead of having the kind of, like, weird change of heart about the import thing of the kryptonite and whatever, like, she could have at least been a senator in Lex Luthor's pocket, who was um, instigating the witch hunt, you know, towards super against Superman, um, and, and really just being kind of a, a pawn of that, and then, you know, you can get all the political with it. Um, and, and then at the same time, you can, incor- like... It should have been a Man of Steel 2 in every sense of the word because then you can bring in Batman kind of towards the, the second act, which is Lois has run out of, uh, she, she has no more uh, thing, you know leads she can follow. She's kind of like run out of stuff. And so then, uh, and I think I, I think I said this in the podcast before, so I apologize if I'm repeating myself, but, uh, but then it's like, you know, she, she runs out of options and then it's like, she has probably contacts in Gotham city, which is not across the Bay, but several, you know, States over, um, the, you know, the Gotham Gazette, who's like, Oh, it could, it could be Vicki Vale. You know, let's just go with that. She's talking to Vicki Vale and she's like, I've just run out of all these, you know, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to help him. She's like, well, have, you know, maybe I have someone who can help you. And so she goes to Gotham and then the next scene, you you know, she's like under a bridge and then Batman shows up and he's like up there and cause it's raining. It's always raining in Gotham. Um, you know, he's, he's perched there and he's asking her, you know, what she wants and she gives him the story and like, and that's how you bring, you know, these characters in where it's much more about Superman and what he stands for rather than, and and it also has to be him talking about it. Like he has to say something um, right. instead of everyone talking around him and about him and to him. He, you need to hear from Superman, or else it's just it's just nonsense. It doesn't it doesn't mean anything unless we can connect with him when he says those words. You know, rant over. <laughs> um, okay. So, oh, did you have more? No. Okay. Uh, so we are, if I cut out the first half hour in which we were just kind of talking about whatever's, um, we're about an hour and 15 in. So let's talk about the ending uh, here. Because the ending is 
one of the <sighs> big old cop outs um, and everything. Um, <laughs> uh, for, as as a refresher to the listening audience, uh, in, just in case, uh, Superman, Batman, uh, Superman and Batman, after you know. Uh, putting their differences aside because their mothers have the same first name. Cause, Immediate friends. Oh my god. And and I've heard people like trying to argue that that's what like immediately humanizes Superman in Batman's eyes, which I'm like, okay, I guess. But at the same Are time... Friends or that their mom had the same name? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, because I understand the the quirkiness of you know, uh, was it superhero comics? Where yes, Martha uh, Kent and Martha Wayne have the same first name. Go figure. Um, but it's also not something you want to base the resolution of a huge ass fight on, uh, because first of all, uh, like we said in the um, the ranting podcast. Uh, the way Superman reveals this information is done so poorly, it just loses any kind of impact it really should have. Because no one says their mother's first name out loud when they're trying to tell someone to save them. It's if, if for some reason, James and I were having a, a, a very big argument, and it resulted in him trying to kill me for some reason. And... <laughs> Perhaps our mothers had a similar first name. Uh, if I was trying to warn him to save my mother, I'm not going to say, Diane, save Diane, because that has... So that's so much better than Superman. Did, See, there you go. But, but, at the, well, but at the same... I'm just saying, it's just, uh, it has no impact because, you know, j- yeah, it, it's my mother's name, be, and, but I wouldn't say it like that. I would say my mother save my mother. Like, Diane isn't going to mean anything to him. <laughs> so, I've actually heard this argument from a few people. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm actually going to defend Snyder on this one. Right. And Goyer and Terrio. And here's why. So, let's, let's address one thing that I don't like. And that is, the secret identity is meaningless. And, and, both the comic book movies and the comic book TV. Like, everyone knows who the Flash is. Yeah. There is no <laughs> secrecy. Everyone knows who the Flash is except Wally. And I have no idea why Wally hasn't figured it out. <laughs> um, but we know he's going to. Well, yeah, yeah. But still, it's weird. Like, everybody. Like, he doesn't bat an eye before he tells everybody in, Metro- in National City who he is. <laughs> Like, it's, it's like, oh, well, it's I'm in a different outside. dimension. <laughs> like, did you see so... the Flash? I am the Flash. Like, oh, oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess you saw him then. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's weird. So, my, but my point to that is, like, there is no secret identities in this, this movie. Lex seems to know who everybody is pretty much from the, from the go. Yeah. Um, and but we also you know, don't know how he knows that. And, no, we don't, and it's never explained. We just he just does. Mm. Um, Bruce and Clark piece it together pretty much immediately. Um, there, there's no secret identities here. So, with that being said, if I am about to die, right? If I'm about to die, 
and I believe to some extent, um, you know, Batman knows who I am, then if I say, save Martha, it's not a hard that, for Batman to say, oh, okay, well, his mother's name is Martha Kent, so that's, that's his mother, so I gotta go save her. Yeah, but... Um, to... What's silly about it is that he's saying it as if Martha has more than five minutes after that to live. Mm-hmm. That's where kind of the plot hole comes in. See, but in see I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't. Holes... Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I, I no, just. I was just saying, in the grand scheme. Of... <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, JP. <laughs> I was just going to say, in the grand scheme of plot holes, this is not the one that you know I I would nitpick on. No, but I, and I'm not necessarily like trying to nitpick this to death or anything. It's just that. Uh, there is no point in the movie other than, um, you know, yes, Superman says Bruce, like he calls him out. First of all, we don't, I mean, I guess we could just make the assumption that, yeah, he peeked under the cowl. But again, it'd have been nice if he like looked or something. Um, But with Bruce, we never get any indication that he's figured out who Superman is. And it doesn't seem until Clark delivers that really clunky, Martha save Martha part that he he takes any time to even think that oh perhaps yes you know that that's the thing is like I could have accepted the the Martha thing if 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 it had been set up in a in a way that made that make sense but we don't know what Bruce knows except that he got some kryptonite lied to Alfred and doesn't like Superman you know that that's it like we don't see him really trying to investigate Superman as a person, and and you could argue the fact that he doesn't see him as a person. He doesn't, you know, he call he doesn't call him a, a man. He keeps like questioning his masculinity because Snyder and uh, and and Frank Miller and everything. But at the same time, if we had maybe seen some investigation into the actual person, it would have made more sense, I guess. But then that also would have diminished any kind of anger he has towards him because then it would have made him into a person. So. Yeah, I mean, uh, I agree to, to an extent. I, I think there's an element of um, Clark doesn't know, doesn't know any more than the audience does what Bruce knows. Or Bruce and doesn't so know any more than. So by saying, save Martha, you know, he's essentially saying, hey, find the Martha that matters and go save her. Though, again, if Martha's going to die in five minutes, I don't really know what the expectation there is. Yeah. Um, but the, the point uh, is that they look, be... They you be... want to talk about weird things that happen in this movie. Let's talk about the scene where the bats make, make a boy fly. Um, well, there is that, yes. Dream or not, that was just weird. Like, everyone in the theater kind of was like, Huh? No. Like, like, I legitimately, like, I I even told Sam this, like, I legitimately at that point, like, I was immediately questioning everything I was about to watch outside (laughs) of that scene. Because I was just like, did did Snyder go there? Did he, did he really, is he establishing Batman has bat powers because the bats (laughs) flew him the fuck out of here? Because there's nothing to elude up to that point. That this is at all a dream, like, for the audience. Like, the audience is fully invested in, like, oh, like, we're going back to, like, Bruce as a boy when he lost his parents. Like, that's where we feel like we are. And then suddenly he's 
flying. Here, and the the I only to be all kind of, like just ten kinds of angry. The only way that makes sense is if he was also trying to channel some of Grant Morrison's work at the same time. Right, like I was at the level of like seriously, like this just like 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 you can't even call this Batman if you're making him fly. Like might as well just call him Man Bat. Fuck it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I agree, like, in the, that's in the, and that's in the first five minutes of the movie, where it's like, uh, if the goal was to, uh, you know, kind of, uh, unnerve and, you know, make your audience question every move, then well done, you've, you've basically taken away any trust we might have in you as a filmmaker, <laughs> by not indicating it's a dream to begin with, first of all, or just even, like, going to that point and then just, you know, starting with the narration, because, it's not a good place to start from if you're going to be like, oh, and then it becomes a dream. Because then you have the next two dream sequences that are also just as confusing because you don't know which part is the dream and which part is supposed to be the Justice League setup, even though it's another fake out. So it's just, it's poorly executed because these things would have been fine if they had not been executed in the way that they were. <laughs> Um, yeah, for sure. It, it's weird. Yeah. You know what else is weird to me? Just what? on a side note, hmm. because I know we're about to wrap it up, and I, I want the internet to figure this out for me. Okay. I've I've gone back and looked. There is a ton of nods in this movie to like shit that we didn't even need to make a nod to, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's like Snyder really did just go fifteen year old fanboy. Listen to the nerd nonsense podcast to figure out that reference, but fifteen year fanboy in this whole thing. Um, but there's two things that, like, on all of the, like, um, Easter egg sites, there's two things in there that I am fairly sure were significant um, nods that have not mentioned anywhere. The first is in the nightmare sequence. Um, Batman is sitting there. The parademons arrive. He's fighting all the parademons and the soldiers. And there is a there's a moment where he's holding a woman's hand. She collapses and he just kind of lets go of her. And then she's laying in the middle of the bodies. Mm -hmm. Is that, is that a nod to Carrie Kelly that we just completely overlooked? And the other thing is internet. If you get a chance in the building where Batman and Superman are fighting, there is a, uh, yes, we all know about the question mark on the post where the where the um, spear goes in the ground. Yeah, mm-hmm. that one's been done to death. Um, but there is a moment where I don't know Batman throws Superman or Superman throws Batman, and they pan across the screen, um, and they there's writing on the wall that I think is supposed to tell you what that building is. Um, and you, it's too dark to really catch it. But there's another one that I haven't seen on any of these theory sites. So if anybody goes back and watches the film or, you know, gets some bootleg copy somewhere <laughs> um, and can slow those two scenes down and figure out what those two things are, we're missing those. Mm. I, know some, I know there's something in there. Did, it, wait, did you guys catch either one of those? Did you guys catch anything that's not been posted? No, I, I saw the Riddler mark, um, but yeah, I don't know if the, the woman in the dream sequence is supposed to be uh, Carrie Kelly. I mean, because we, we do know that the, there's going to be about a half an hour's worth of deleted scenes in the uh, 
the Blu-ray DVD release that's also going to, you know, have the PG-13 and rated R versions because um, Jenna Malone's supposed to be in there as Batgirl, or at least Barbara Gordon, sorry. I, she's actually, I think, supposed to be in there as Oracle. Is she? Yes, I think there, I think what I read was she is supposed to be Oracle and actually guiding Bruce through his investigation. Oh, that would have been nice. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like, that would have kind of helped with some of the plot holes. Yeah, one or two of them, or many of them. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's like, why can't we have nice things? Uh, um, Okay, so, uh, again, I I do want to get to the ending, but yes, people who, uh, if... If you know what that what that building is, please tell JP, and will his uh, Twitter handle will come up later in the at the end of the show. Uh, but uh, yes, the ending because we have the Doomsday fight after Batman and Superman become fast friends, uh, and then Wonder Woman shows up, and then once Superman has recovered the spear that was thrown into the water by Lois, who then tried to retrieve it, almost drowned, and then yada yada yada. So <laughs> Superman decides that. Perhaps he should be the one to fly said spear into Doomsday's leveled up, at least twice body. <laughs> and sort of, kind of like low ground flies it straight into his chest. And then, because he's been weakened by the kryptonite, Doomsday also stabs him in the chest. And then they both okay, die. So I do not believe that Doomsday's able to stab him because he's weakened by the kryptonite. Well, that's pretty much what happened. Not necessarily. What we see happen is this. Doomsday stabs Superman in the chest. Mm-hmm. But if you go back to the Death of Superman storyline, mm-hmm. Doomsday is able to use his bone appendages, or whatever you want to call them, <laughs> to hurt Superman even back then. he can. He's able to pierce Superman's skin. I, I do think it's a little odd that he... He goes from, like, passing out in the water to being able to fly with it. Mm-hmm. And that's clearly one of those things. But that's not something we haven't seen before. Well, I, we I'm just saying, in, like, when Doomsday stabs him, like, they, they show an out, uh, 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 they, pull, they pull out and they show that one of those spikes has gone, like, straight through him. Like, it's sticking yeah, out of his the, back. <laughs> but that's just the thing, like, that's... I, I can believe that, that Doomsday is able to do that as a fan of the death of, of Doomsday in general. Mm-hmm. I can believe that Doomsday is able to do that separate of the spear. All right. So I don't have as much of a problem with the spear thing. I kind of like I kind of like oh here we go again with him like passing out from kryptonite in one moment and then labels a power through its presence the next. But that's not. That's by no means special to this movie. Mm-hmm. No, the the inconsistency you know, of his power level has been there since Man of Steel as well. Where we're over nine thousand. Yes, uh, be, because that's that's uh, one of the <laughs> it's one of the ongoing issues I've also had with these movies, especially is that they never quite give us an idea of what his power set is, uh, or how powerful he is in terms of like what he can do, um, because we did see him, uh, you know, take. Uh, doomsday up into space and then they get hit by the nukes because the United States government is really, you know, just trigger happy to nuke things. Um, 
And then we get to see the kind of uh, nod to, what is it, the Dark Knight Strikes Back um, with Superman, you know, uh, all rejuvenated by the sun and everything, which is supposed to kind of give you that hint that, well, of course he can't be dead. He's rejuvenated by the sun. Uh, (laughs) So that when we get to the point where everyone assumes that Superman is dead, um, and, and getting kind of back to the religious iconography that they've also been doing since Man of Steel, and I mean, and, and uh, honestly, in the comics for quite a long time, but so overtly so in this movie, <laughs> where he's been stabbed, and then because of his cape, he's kind of like wrapped in it a little bit, and so it's the uh, Wonder Woman and uh, Lois Lane kind of representing the women of Christ, like, you know, bringing him down and just even that last shot with Batman and then Lois crying over Superman and then Wonder Woman, the way it's set up, it's once again kind of reminiscent of religious iconography once, once more, which yay. Um, it's just, it's just exhausting. It's like as someone who's grown up with all of that imagery, it's just like, really guys? Like, I don't know, this is like an entirely other podcast that we could talk about religion and comics and everything, but the thing is Daredevil did it better by, at, you know, talking about ideology and going through with it, whereas Batman v Superman wants to make you think it talked about ideology and then just was like, Christ metaphor! You know? So... Um, but then we get the dual funerals, and then the last shot is uh, after Lois has sprinkled her uh, the dirt on the casket in, in Kansas for Clark. Um, the, uh, the last shot is uh, just lingering on the casket with the dirt, and then it suddenly starts to rise up, and then cut to credits. Because, you know, and, and from a lot of... And don't forget the heartbeat. Was there a heartbeat? Yeah, there is. Oh, okay. So they hit it kind of, uh, a lot of people actually didn't, uh, like, I picked up on it right away, but okay. it was kind of, it was in tune with the music, mm. so it almost sounded like a bass hit at different tones of the music. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't hear that at all, so, you know, thank you. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's... It's it, another nod to a comic, to the Frank Miller books. Yes, so. yes, yes, That's to, uh, The Dark Knight Returns, where, uh... Superman hears Batman's heartbeat uh, towards the end and then just gives Carrie Kelly the wink, being like, I'm in on the joke. <laughs> like, you go on with your bad self. Um, but yeah, so so that's the that that's how the movie ends, with basically us understanding, even though we were pretty much aware that Superman wasn't going to die, die, because again, this is comics, uh, and comics turn movies. So... Um, JP, what what was your opinion of the... How did you feel about the end of the movie? Um, my response immediately after the movie and to, even to now is it, it just felt like Zack Snyder was in this, like... Like he, like he lost the bet, or mm-hmm. he was trying to win a bet, where he's like, okay, this is every graphic novel in my collection. I'm going to get every one of these fuckers in this movie. <laughs> Every fucking one of them. Watch me do it. <laughs> um, and by the time we get to the Death of Superman thing, it's like, oh, geez, dude, we get it. Like, yes, you've read comic books. Okay. <laughs> Good for you. Excellent job. You're a nerd, too. 
we got it. Mm-hmm. Um, like it just it ended up feeling so like just over the top unnecessary. Like I don't, I don't the execution of it doesn't bother me too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I love. I love Wonder Woman chopping Doomsday up. Like, that. that's just fucking great. Yeah. Um, and I like the fact that Bruce is like, whoa, okay, this is a fight that I'm not prepared for, so I'm just going to, like, shoot from the distance. Mm-hmm. You guys handle that. Um, I, you know, so that was fine. I, I think from a standpoint of Clark, it... Uh, the problem with that that scene is here's here's my my true review of this movie. Okay. I can I can sum it up in two statements. <laughs> and this is this is the true the point of this movie. As much as I love these characters, as much as I'm excited about this movie, the one thing that excited me the most was that my kids really wanted to go see these. Mhm. Really, they were excited. Batman and Superman are going to fight on in a movie? We're in. Dad, can we come with you? Can we please go see this? And here's the two things that I will say about this movie that just really define it for me. One, my kids will never get to see this movie. Mm. It is not appropriate for children. PG-13 or not, it is simply not appropriate for children. It is not the way they... It, it, and any more than some of our comic books are appropriate for children. There's a reason why these comic books are, like, strictly teenager and above. Yeah. Um, you would not take... You would not read these books to a five-year-old. You would not read a Batman book these days to a five-year-old. You certainly couldn't take a five-year-old to this movie. Um, that's one. The second is... I am not sad when Superman dies. There is no emotional moment for me there. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, is the biggest speak, like, like, just, this is the real problem with this movie that I can say. It is, you have a moment where Superman dies, it should be emotional, there's a they, they try to make a big emotion about it with the, the the black and silver S that again is a nod to to death of and um, death and, and return return of Superman. Um, that all of that is executed, and in none of that, at no point, am I like sad. Mm-hmm. And that is a fail. That is a writing fail. That is a directing fail. If you cannot get me to feel sad that Superman has died, if you cannot get me to connect into that scene when Martha and um, and Lois are in that room together, it is because you have not done enough to make these characters important to the audience. And that is the plain and simple truth. Yeah. No, I, I I agree with that. It's like the the death of Superman. If you had actually set up like the emotional beats that you needed to get there, it could have been earned. Um, and none of that was. It was it was done as a cheap way of being like, oh no, he's dead. When anybody knows, like we know he's going to be in Justice League. It's like you guys have been, like, and that, that's the thing. It's it's a disingenuous 
uh, ending. Uh, and especially like, because I know there were a lot of reviewers that were like, I thought they were they had the balls to uh, to actually kill him or whatever. It's like I never thought they had the balls to kill him. The minute he dies, like he's not dead. He's not gonna die. He's gonna be in Justice League. So, <laughs> um, so it's just to me, it's it's a it's a cop out and it's a disingenuously unearned ending. Um, it doesn't deserve the emotion that anyone would have towards it, if you have any towards it, and it doesn't deserve the the kind of like upbeat, like not not upbeat, but uptick of uh, like the emotional music that happens afterwards. Because it's like, no, you haven't made me care about this guy at all. He has done nothing to make me care about him. Like you've done nothing to make me care about him. So don't expect me to be all super bummed out when he's dead, because I'm not gonna be. Um. Uh, I mean, did you, I'm sorry, JP, I interrupted you. Do you have more on the, on the ending? No, you said it well. Okay. <laughs> uh, James, uh, your thoughts on the, on the ending? I hated it. <laughs> I hated it so much. Um, because again, coming back to like, hey, I just, it was so unnecessary. So unnecessary. But even outside of that, like if we, if we judge it from just a filmography perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, from a CG technical standpoint, um, from an executionary standpoint, like it just it just misses the mark. And I mean, I think I think JP hit 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 the nail right on the head. Is like I never even read the comics for Death of Superman. It's it's a piece of the Superman lore I've never actually had the privilege to read. Now, with that said, funny story. Mm. One of the first. Superman games I ever played was Death and Return of Superman on the SNES. Now, granted, it's a way cut-down version, and at the time that I played the game, there were a lot of nuances I wasn't understanding necessarily. I didn't really understand who certain characters were. Like, the game didn't do a phenomenal job of pointing that out. (laughs) But, later in my adult life, you know, I, like, replayed it back in my head and, like, went through the different, like, sections of the game in my head, and then I, like, did the research, and I was like, oh, okay. And then I even went so far as to, like, go back and replay the game. Um, and there was. There was much more of an emotional response there, like, why this was so important. And they, they like, up to this point, they've done no real groundwork to make anybody, comic book fan or otherwise, emotionally invested in any of these characters. Like, mm-hmm. they haven't done anything to compel us to be like, oh, I care about them. Like, legitimately, if they, if, if Marvel was like, if they made the decision in, in, in a Marvel Cinematic u- movie to kill Star-Lord, I'd have an emotional response to that. Mm-hmm. Because I legitimately care about the character. Like, so many things about him resonate with me. And so, Which like, one he, of us didn't cry when Groot died? Every one of us cried when Groot died. Right, mm-hmm. right. and that's the thing, and, and that's a character that all he says is, I am Groot. Like, that's it. <laughs> that's all he says the whole damn movie. But, like, they did such a good job in execution of, of CGI technicalities and story building um, and dialogue through his partner um, that we really had an invested response to this character. Like, we were all invested in this character because no matter what, we are Groot, 
right? Like, that mm-hmm. was the big symbolism at the end. That's what grabs you by the heartstrings. And you're like, oh, it's a team thing. Oh. Well, then it's also, um, like, Rocket's response being like, you can't, what are you doing, you big dummy? Like, all this kind of stuff. You're like, right. Jesus Christ, how did you make me feel so bad, you know, so, like, invested in a tree and a raccoon? Right. And that's the difference is, like, in this movie, like, up to this point, like, even in the 10-minute friendship that fucking Batman and Superman have, they're not emotionally invested into each other as friends. Like, really, they acknowledge each other as, like, we're no longer enemies. Like, that's the extent of their friendship at this point. Mm -hmm. So, like, you don't get an emotional response from Batman. Not that necessarily you would get an immediate emotional response from Batman. (laughs) Like, I I feel like it would be like, he wouldn't cry in front of anybody until he was, like, in the Batcave. Mm-hmm. And then he'd, like, have his breakdown and be like, why? <laughs> Alfred, um, why? Um, but, like, again, Wonder Woman, like, all of these characters in the Justice League um, all have this invested, like, amount of a friendship, and it's just not there. It's, so the whole scene just falls flat. Um, I mean, on a technical standpoint, again, I keep saying it because I like saying it, because I feel like it's true. I feel like somebody uh, decided they were a really big fan of Lord of the Rings, and they just tried to imitate, like, a troll. Like, not even that. No, no. You know what? I'm going to take this even out, and I'm not even going to give that with Lord of the... Like, that movie's too good. It's too good to deserve that kind of criticism against this. I would go back to Harry Potter, and I'm... Bear with me here. Mm. But the very... The troll that attacks them in the bathroom... Yeah. So that was movie two. No, that's movie one. CGI. Movie one. Not pretty. And that's what Doomsday was. Ugh. Like, Doomsday looked like that fucking troll. <laughs> it was so bad. So, like, immediately I was just taken out of it. Like, the second they show us what, A, the process of how he's created, the whole time I'm like, nope. Mm-mm. Nope. <laughs> no. Nope. I'm not. I don't. Uh-uh. I'm not and, good with this. And if anyone needs a refresher, it's made by, uh, it's Zod's, uh, Zod's corpse plus Lex's blood, because then abomination. <laughs> right. Like, Marvel's abomination. Like, that happened. Um, so, like, so it was one of those where it was like, why? And then, and then again, like, as soon as they give it name, and it's, you know, they, they say it's Doomsday, like, again, I'm just like, that, that, I... I'm not sure what version of Doomsday you're referring to because I'm pretty positive every version of Doomsday I've ever seen pretty well looks the same. Like, like they flesh out a few more things, maybe add some details and, like, make the character look better than he previously did, possibly. But, like, the same fucking drawing structure's there. So it was just, it was so bad. Like, I just... I was so angry with all of it. The only good part of that last fight is, of course, Wonder Woman. Like, just just cutting the shit out of this thing. And yeah. just being a warrior and just just being awesome and a badass. Or the, the lasso, yeah, like, when she uses the lasso to, like, oh, it's so good. Oh, so good. Like, the second I saw the lasso, I was like, oh, they got the lasso! They got the lasso! I didn't see that coming! <laughs> and you're hitting um, Christine, you're like, look, do you see the lasso? Do you see the lasso? She's like, yes! Stop it! Because I didn't go with Christine, I oh. went with Chris. Oh. Christine did not want to see this movie. She was oh, like, nope, she, I, she, I don't, I'm not interested. I she's smarter like, than the so rest of us, then. when I came then. home and told her about it, she was just like, yeah, definitely not interested. <laughs> um, so it was that lady's a clever 
Never cookie. Yeah, she's right. much smarter. There's so many reasons I married her. Um, <laughs> and, and, and her intelligence is, like, way up there. So it's one of those where... So then we get to the very end, past that fight, and we get to... Oh, dead Superman. Um, and, and, like, I just... I was so just not in the moment. Like, because you... Again, I'm trying to base the emotions or the feelings that Bruce apparently is having but not showing because he's Bruce with with what he says. Like, I mean, like, when they have this conversation, and the thing is, is the conversation is unique. I like the way it's presented as far as the way they're discussing how back in Metropolis they're burying, you know, Superman. Like, Batman brings up the fact that, like, they're burying an empty casket while out here they're burying him in a pine box. It's, you know... And there's this really interesting dichotomy to that. Um, and the fact that, you know, Wonder Woman tells him, you know, they're they're honoring him in the only way that they that they can understand, that they know how, which was for them he was their champion, he was their warrior. So they all they can do is celebrate him the way they would a fallen warrior. And so like in, in which I was fine with. It's what Bruce says after that that is just again, like it's so lost because there was so much disjointed connection throughout the movie in the moments that were supposed to make this up. They were supposed to bring him to this point where we were like, Oh, okay. Which was the whole essence of him going, I failed him in life. I will not fail him in death. And I was like, you were friends for 10 minutes. Like you owe you a, you owe him absolutely nothing other than going, God, I'm sorry I was a dick. Like, really, that's that's what I'm sorry for, that I misjudged everything, and we were both manipulated, and I just feel kind of shitty about that. Yeah. That's it. Like, his whole, like, for me, his whole, like, I failed him. You weren't even close to him. How did you fail him? You vaguely only knew who he was because he destroyed Metropolis with Zod. Like, that. that's it. Like, I just, I was just, I like it. I was so completely done with it at that point. And then, of course, yeah, the like the heartbeat, which I was like, really? Oh, come on! And then the floating dirt, and I was like, it's so dumb. <laughs> um, like it's one of those where, like, honestly, like the only way they could have effectively done Death of Superman was if they if they had never like given us any details that we were going to ever see Superman again. Like that's the best way they could have ever done it and it would have been the best thing ever. It would have been one of those like if they just like told people and then I don't know locked everybody working on the next movie which would have been uh, the return of Superman mm-hmm. in a basement where they had no technology to reach out to the outside public because that's the only way they could do it <laughs> without any potential leaks. Like, if they could have just hid that from the public, and then, like, suddenly, like, you know, a few months before, like, they plan on, like, releasing the movie, like, return, like, do the big Comic-Con announcement at San Diego, and, and just get the crowd hyped. And then that would have been perfect, but no, like, they, they, like, as you said, like, there's so much taken away from this, because we know, we know Superman's in Justice League. Like, it would be, there's no way he's not going to be in Justice League. Well, and, like and, and the thing is, like, the Doomsday plot could have worked if you, if it was the beginning of the, if it was the Justice League movie. Like, because Justice League is going to be part one and part two. And and I know that they've set up Darkseid briefly and sort of. Um, but, but the thing is, you could have pulled off the Doomsday death and Return of Superman 
if it was maybe the Justice League two-parter. You know, you could have had the first movie being like the, you know, you know the 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 nascent beginnings of Doomsday, where just like these, you know, brute monsters are sent after Superman right and left, and then suddenly, you know, he he finds that he's he ha- he doesn't have the ability to keep track of the rest of the world while this stuff is happening. So that's what prompts the Justice League formation, and then it ends with the death of Superman, and then you start the next movie with the return part, you know. You have to you have to build up to a lot of this stuff because the movie itself, the movie proper, when you look at everything that happens in this, nothing is 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 put to fruition. Nothing is expanded upon beyond the scene that it exists in, and and that's the problem because if you want to tell a complete story, you can't just give us scenes and moments. You have to have connecting threads that that mean something, and nothing well, means anything. Well, that's why, like, so, 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 like, the one thing I want to say, and this, and it's just because it keeps getting brought up, like, I've seen it periodically in a lot of articles I've written, Uh, my buddy Paul has, like, posted these fucking articles to me, and (laughs) told me, like, well, if you think about it, and I'm like, I have thought about it, and you're full of shit, Mm. Um, (laughs) which is basically, like, all these comic book fans out there, like, and, 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 and I know this is a really, a broad statement, and I'm not saying... All of the comic book fans. I'm saying the ones who are who are posing this argument are going. This movie is the tr- is, is really true to the version of these characters that are currently are in the current DC running of comics. And I will openly admit, I haven't really read much of the current running, but I know people who have, and I'm going to call you on your bullshit right now because at the core. That's not who these characters are, even in the current running. They are not these characters. A, Superman says a whole lot more. He says <laughs> a whole lot more. And he says some profound things. He says some intellectual things. He says things. He knows things and says all of the things. He's like the Donald Trump of Superman. <laughs> Batman still isn't just killing people with Gatling guns and just heinously like murdering them because... You know, 20 years of, you know, just being grim. Like, A, ultimately, yes, Batman has gone through many uh, evolutions in his time. He's over 70 years old in the comics at this point, as far as the running of Batman in comics. He still doesn't just run around murdering people. Like, we're not acknowledging off-world shit that is just, like, some fantasy that some writer has, like, oh, what if Batman did? It's called Thomas Wayne, let's move forward. <laughs> so it's one of those where, like, again, at the core of these characters, even 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 with Lex Luthor as a villain, even with Zod as a villain, and that's the thing, like, in Man of Steel, like, as far as, like, how Zod's depicted, I didn't really have a terrible problem with Zod, I suppose, because he is just kind of this malevolent force, but his reasons were so much different from what I remember mm-hmm. um, on so many different levels. Um, whereas, like, uh, what was it, Superman 2? Is that where we first see Zod? We, we technically first see him in the in the beginning of the first Superman. But, yeah, the, the Superman 2 is where we get, like, uh, yeah, Zod. Right, and... which his whole thing is, like, I, I was imprisoned, and now I'm not imprisoned. Yes. And now I'm going to take over Earth. And that's just going to be a thing now. Like you do. Um, so, like you do. So again, like when you try to argue to me that 
this is the closest version of the current running of characters. You're lying to me, you're lying to yourself, or you're completely misunderstanding the characters. And I'd really like to know what DC Comics you're reading where these characters are what we just saw in the movie. Like, like tit for tat, they are what we saw in this movie. I want to know which ones. Please, please tell me. Please well, Twitter them to me. Let me know, because I'd love to see those. And even if that was true, um, it's been pretty uniformly agreed upon that the new 52 version of these characters is too dark, too grim, and too whiny. Yeah. Which is one of the reasons why the new 52 is going to the wayside, right? So... Reapers. Reapers. Reapers! I like the Green Lantern Rebirth and Flash Rebirth, so, you know, I can't say too much, but... Sure. Um, but... Yeah, we- there's a reason why people don't like even the comic book versions of the characters, which are too dark, too grim, and too whiny. Mm-hmm. No, it's 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 a, a line-wide problem, and it doesn't feel like, at this point, they're going to really be learning that much from this, because, I mean, just to put things into perspective now, um, and I mentioned this on the second episode of Nerd Nonsense, which we'll, we'll see which one comes out first, but um, the, the fact of the matter is, in the opening weekend, the... Uh, Basically, the attendance, the, uh, the, oh god, the box office, there we go, uh, I'm losing my words. The box office dropped on the Friday of release to the Sunday of release uh, for Batman vs. Superman by 55%, which is a huge drop-off, you know, in the opening weekend, and doesn't say good things about it. Um, also the fact is that it was, I think, just, uh, it was just a drop today or yesterday that Suicide Squad is going back to do reshoots. Like, really expensive reshoots, because apparently the movie is a bit too dark and grim now, <laughs> in in light of uh, people's criticisms of Man of... Uh, not Man of Steel, uh, Batman versus Superman. So, we already see Warner Brothers, you know, I, I, I want to, I guess, panicking, and going like, oh, shit, like, this isn't good, this is not good, DEFCON 1. <laughs> well, and I, I do, I do want to mention, like, so the counter argument for for that because I I, re- I read the same report and then a number of people in comments and all that kind of crap like immediately jumped on the bandwagon of like yeah but it had the highest Monday sales of anything um, that that doesn't like so during the week sales like that's a different monster all in itself mm-hmm. weekends are when people go to see the movies and yes there's a lot of factors we can blame on it and i agree with something sam said when we had our three hours of 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 anger um which is this weekend is going to be the telling factor yeah how well it does this weekend is going to tell us a lot about how much people actually took critics and reviews at their word um or how many of them go to see it and then suddenly we get more critics and reviews at their word, um, you know, on whether they liked it or, or hated it and what kind of sales notes we're looking at. Like, this weekend's going to be the one that actually makes the difference. Because last week, sure, we can factor in Easter. Either people had nothing to do on Easter or they were all at church, so a lot of people didn't go because it's, you know, a holy day. So <laughs> that could have been a factor, sure, but I'm pretty sure it's not necessarily the hugest factor when we factor in the fact that the majority 
majority population of the United States is not necessarily a Christian population. Mm. We're not going to get into the politics of that. But yeah. I'm just saying, like, on a statistical basis, like, again, that's a really big drop number for a weekend. Like, Deadpool? Don't even get me started. Mm. That movie knocked it out of the park on a weekend. For many weekends. For a lot of weekends. <laughs> <laughs> like, the movie did phenomenally well. And granted, it's a different tone, it's a different type of movie, and it does bring me right back full circle to what I said kind of at the beginning of this, which is, no superhero movie can get the crown. Like, none of them is the king of superhero movies, mm-hmm. uh, you know, on, on a global basis. it's They all have different audiences, they all bring something different to the table, and they all present something different. But, in I, I think in all of our humble opinions, this movie just, for each of us, didn't make the mark. It, it just fell flat. Just, just not even just shy of the mark. I mean, it, it was, it was behind the other, the other sprinters uh, <laughs> at, at that race. It was, it was the dude in Cool Runnings who falls and trips all the other uh, racers. <laughs> so I'm just gonna br- like, so, there you go, Cool Runnings reference. There you are. <laughs> and the only thing I would, add, the only thing I would add or, or, or put my two cents in on what you get what you both just talked about is I actually don't even know that this week will really be the, the telling because there's nothing coming out. Um, that's even remotely interesting enough mm. to stand up to Batman versus Superman. So I think that we could even still see, uh, the not honest tale of how audiences feel about this yet. Yeah. I think what will definitely will be telling is um so batman versus superman essentially needs to make about a billion dollars worldwide yeah i think there's somewhere around five or six five fifty or six hundred now um and but in order to make that billion mark worldwide you pretty much have to sit on top for a few weeks in a row mm-hmm. um John Favreau's Jungle Book comes out April 15th. Um, it'll be interesting to see if Batman vs. Superman is remotely close to being relevant by the time that movie is hits. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether... Because I honestly think if Jungle Book was coming out this weekend versus that weekend, Batman versus Superman would just stop making money. <laughs> it would be, it would crush it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if, if Batman versus Superman benefits from the fact that there's, it kind of gets a couple weeks here of reprieve where there's really nothing challenging it yeah. before, um, Jungle Book comes out. Yeah, no, it, it's definitely going to be uh, interesting in the next few weeks and, and seeing what what happens and uh, how Warner Brothers is going to react to all of it. So, I, I well, look. And on a minor and on a minor note, we're not we're not at all saying this movie didn't make a lot of money. Yeah, we know it's made a lot of money. Like that's that we're not we're not saying that by any means. We're just saying it made a lot of money because hey, guess what? No matter what any of us thought about it, we all went to fucking watch it. Yeah, if if quality uh, determined, you know, uh, box office sales, then, you know, 
really, Michael Bay would just never make any movies ever again. <laughs> like, so there, there was never a question on this movie that it was it wasn't going to make money. It's now a question after the the critical response and even audience responses. Now it's a question of are they going to reach that marker that they set for themselves? And right now. Maybe, but depending on how the next couple of weeks go, it's going to be a lot harder for them than I think they initially thought. So, right. um, but with that said, we uh, I think I think we're now almost hitting we're about two hours uh, in some change here. So I think we need to cut it off so it's not as long as the ranting podcast. <laughs> but uh, James and JP, thank you for uh, coming back on the podcast and, and talking uh, talking things out once again. Um, I don't know if these therapy sessions will uh, last very long, but we're definitely going to be talking about this for some time because we won't ever stop. Uh, but before we go, uh, JP, where can people find you on on, on the interwebs? Uh, yeah, so the best place to find me is, of course, um, either uh, doing a podcast, which you can find here on uh, the Maniacal Geek site. Right next to the girls, the girl with the curls podcast, <laughs> um, and um, on Twitter at nerd underscore nonsense, um, where you are free to interact with me, and we'll have a chat. So, yay! And uh, James, well, where can people find you on the interwebs? Um, of course, people can find me on the Twitters um, as at Roman on the Rocks. Uh, you can also find me um, uh, through my Facebook page, uh, also Roman on the Rocks, um, or uh, my blog, which will soon be up and running, um, which is also www.romanontherocks.com. I stuck with one thing. It seemed really easy that way. Variation isn't, isn't what it's cracked up to be, so... <laughs> Okay, uh, yeah, and uh, as always, you can find me at Darling underscore Sammy. Uh, you can go to ManiacalGeek.com, as well as the Facebook page, which is a shared community for Maniacal Geek and That Girl with the Curls. There's really no differentiation, except for I came up with one after the other and didn't try to consolidate brand. Um, so <laughs> there you go. Uh, and you can also find the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud, so feel free to comment where you feel you can make yourself heard. I'll probably see it. Uh, but once again, guys, thank you for coming back on the podcast. Uh, this is certainly not the last time. Uh, so thank you and good night, everybody. Good night.